trusting God that do not faint you won't go weary you're the defender of the weak you comfort those in
Praise the Lord this morning. Would you bow your heads for prayer? Children, come on up. We're going to go before the Lord this morning. You may be seated in the sanctuary if you're able to. Lord, this morning we want to come before you and we want to thank you for your presence in this house of worship. In this particular place, God, we want you to be the very guest of honor that we didn't come as much as we enjoy fellowship for other people. Not primarily we didn't. We didn't come because there's going to be great music played and albeit there have been amazing uh, songs that we've sung this morning and they were performed amazingly. We didn't come just for that. We came, Lord, because we knew you would be here. We knew that we could be blessed beyond what words can depict properly, that when we come into your presence, we automatically draw. We're able to glean good things for our lives because we know that all good and perfect gifts, they come from you. This morning, the very fact that you're here blessing us with your presence means that automatically we are blessed. We thank you, God, for being here with us this morning. We want to lift up to you these dear children, these precious little people. Their days are just getting started. These little guys have so much potential to realize. They are in the right place this morning because there's the opportunity for them to start off the right way. And your word says that if we would train up these children in the way that they should go, that when they are older, they won't depart from it. That once they've heard truth, it will not be possible for them to unhear or unknow truth. God, would you guide and direct them? Would you help them to grab a hold of these good truths in a way that they could understand them and that they could take them beyond even this morning and go live them in the world where they live. So we're grateful, God, that you use the talents and the gifts, the willingness, the openness that these people who train up these children in children's church, whether our children's director, Miss Jennifer, maybe some of these other helpers, God, those that work in the nursery, and yes, to include those people who help out with teens. We thank you for all these that make themselves available to your call and that would make themselves available to minister to children and young people alike. There are the ministries in the church, Lord God, that go beyond just the young people. For us as adults and even senior adults, God, thank you for the ministries that are available that every single time we go to Bible study or maybe we go to some midweek small group maybe there's some kind of a good thing that's going to happen during the preaching this morning we pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that every person who's here the guy talking included that all of us could draw something good from your word this morning that we would open up our minds and our hearts that the King of glory might come in. Help us, Lord God, to receive the good things that you have for us. And may we recognize that 
albeit we have truth that sometimes can impact us in different kinds of ways, Lord, we pray that we'd be open to all of it, that we might be able to benefit this morning as well as moving forward. And so we're grateful for everything, Lord God. As those that are helping out with tithes and offerings this morning, we thank you for them, those ushers that make themselves available every week. Lord, thank you for their service. And as they are indeed coming forward, that you would bless the offering this morning. Tithes and offerings, that all of it together, you could use it for the growth of your kingdom. We might be able to expand it, Lord. More people know you as Savior. And all of it together, working to bring glory and honor to your great name. We thank you this morning. We love you. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. A great uh, thanks to Jennifer and all of the crew that help with the kids. Well, good morning. This Today I am here to give us some announcements in your brochure. Your bulletin has a few. Uh, our graduation Sunday is coming up, and so parents, if you have any kids that will be graduating, please see uh, the office and let them know uh, that your child is uh, your teen, your adult teen, is graduating so that we can get that information for that Sunday. Also, on May 18th, there is a Zone Ladies Luncheon. It will be in Temple. We have uh, tickets. I think Jennifer has the tickets. There's a sign-up sheet out here on the uh, Welcome Center. And I will let you know that I will be going and I will be driving. And if you ladies want to go, you're welcome to ride with me, but I can only take a total of sevens. But anyway, if you'll let me know if you're interested, get your tickets from uh, Jennifer. And the great news is that they're only $5 for uh, a brunch, lunch, dinner over at Temple. Also, um, missionary books are available some of you might not know about this, but our church always has missionary books. We have three great books this year, one on Africa, one on India, and one on Japan. And so if you want a missionary book at this point, you need to see me and check it out and return it to me when you're finished. But uh, these are great books, great information that we can learn from these books. The other announcement I have is on child sponsorship. Child Sponsorship is a program through our Nazarene Compassionate Ministries. This is where you can uh, check out online or you can fill out the application. Uh, if our ushers will come, they've got these brochures, and if you're interested in having one, raise your hand. If you just want to check it out, raise your hand uh, so that you can take one of these brochures and, and look at it. Child Sponsorship is a yearly program, and you sign up. And uh, Bob and I have done this for a number of years, and I have pictures of the kids that we've had and the ones that we have now. And we have a child assigned to you, and you have them up to the age of 18 or whenever they graduate, and then they opt out of the program then. But through this child sponsorship, they are given, it's $30 a month. It can be automatically withdrawn from your account, or you can send it in every month. They learn spiritual development, of course, through this program. These are kids that wouldn't otherwise be able to be a part of a kids' club or to learn the spiritual aspect. They also learn physical development. This is uh, teaching them nutrition. It's also giving them hygiene education and preventive 
health measures. And so it's a great program in intellectual development through tu tutoring and educational skills that will help them in the future and gain opportunities so that eventually they will be able to be employed. They get emotional development. A lot of the children in this program live in areas where HIV is a very big issue. AIDS is an issue. And so these kids have emotional issues. They've lost a parent or two or all their relatives or whatever. And so they need someone to encourage them. They get relational development so that they can become the total child that God wants of them. And what you do is you can write them. We send this off into our headquarters. It's translated into their language, and then it goes to the kids. The kids also, I'm trying to find mine. I have a letter. This is my little girl. I have a letter from her written in her language, which is Ukraine. And then on the back, they have translated it for me because I don't speak Ukrainian. And uh, before that, we had another girl, and, and so everything that comes in is translated for you so that you can read, and then your letters go in. They translate it so that she can read, or he, whoever you receive. It's a great, great program, and I hope to see that many of us will sign up and be a child sponsor. Thank you. Oh, that's okay. You know what? I'll tell you something. Sometimes I don't even have all the papers you have, and I lose all of them. And so thank you, Pastor Judy, for those announcements. Um, we're also going to be having a, um, a missionary on June the 9th. And so we'll give you more details as we get closer to that date. And they'll come in on Sunday morning, and uh, they'll be preaching to us uh, that Sunday morning. Tell us about what's going on in the world, where they live, and where they serve. And uh, missionaries are still out there making a difference. And... Uh, we're not able to make the difference that we can make unless we're able to support those people. And we support them in a lot of different ways. And uh, so you'll be able to hear about how you can help as we move forward. Uh, we're going to actually be starting a series, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the Beatitudes. And if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Matthew and uh, chapter 5 and um, the Beatitudes. So... My father-in-law used to preface this. He's a, a, a Nazarene evangelist. He's been a Nazarene pastor. And uh, there's no such thing as retired in the church that he's continuing even. Uh, is he 80 yet, honey? 78. And he's 78, and he's preaching every Sunday. Uh, they have pulpit supply there in New Mexico where he serves. And, um, and so he's still preaching. He's still doing revivals and things like that, even at 78, making a difference in the kingdom. But he used to always preface this by saying, I'm getting ready to preach the greatest sermon that you've ever heard. And, um, and so you kind of taken aback by, wait a minute, what, what's this guy talking about? And of course, then that was kind of his way to kind of just get your attention. And uh, so I'm borrowing from him this morning when I say that. Because Jesus is getting ready to preach the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. The Sermon on the Mount. And um, so in chapter 5, you'll find uh, in verse 1 where we're going to be today. If you uh, want to turn there and follow along, you may do so. Today I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation uh, if you're curious. Matthew, what did I say? Oh, Matthew, of course. Did I say Matthew? I thought I said Matthew. See, when you start to get older, it, it, you just forget, I guess. I don't know. They used to call it a geritol moment. Uh, I don't know, they, they even make Geritol anymore? 
I don't know if you could even find that. I'd be hard-pressed to find that. Just, to, just quickly, it doesn't part of the sermon, but how many of you go into different rooms with some kind of a task and you get to that room and you forgot why you're in that room? Anybody? Okay. I'm not the only one. Some people forgot where they live, much less a room. All right, verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. So for the next few weeks, we'll be looking at this particular passage, Jesus describing who people uh, that, that are blessed, what they look like, what they encounter, what they deal with. One time we were making a, a visit, uh, one of the ministries early in my ministry where I was an associate staff person, and uh, we were going to do a hospital visit. Uh, one senior adult lady who uh, was in the hospital, um, she had had issues with um, diabetes, and she could not get her blood sugars right, whatever, had complications, and um, it had led to the fact that they needed to remove uh, her leg, and below, below the knee, they were going to have to, you know, cut the leg, and uh, so we were going to go in and do a, a hospital visit and pray for her and all of that, and uh, I was a youth pastor at the time, and so I didn't do a whole lot of hospital visits. In fact, it was the first time that I'd ever done a hospital visit uh, besides when I was born. And um, so I had really had no experience with hospital visits. And in Bible college and seminary, they really don't tr train you how to do a hospital visit. It's kind of OJT. We used to call that in the military, on-the-job training. And uh, so I went with my lead pastor, and we were going to go and pray for this lady. So we're in the elevator going up to where she's being held, where she's uh, resting. And uh, so uh, we're going, and, and he gets a phone call. And so he says, go on ahead of me. Uh, I got to take this call. And I'm thinking, well, I'll just wait for you here until you're done, and then we'll go together. Because I really was not wanting to go and do this visit by myself. Uh, of course, there were a lot of other things in terms of being nervous and knowing what to say. And I, you know, so what do you do? And so as this brand new, you know, pastor and, and uh, someone who's a youth pastor at that, I'm just not equipped to go in there and do that. 
And uh, so I remember, he says, no, 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 go, go ahead. This call's going to take a while, and, um, and I'll catch up whenever I'm done with the call. And I was just not all that happy and excited to go and do this visit. So we get the, the number, and we check in at the desk there, and uh, gives me the, the, the direction. So I go in there, and there she is. She's resting, and, um, and so I didn't know what to say, so... How, how are things going? Like, what do you, what does that mean? You know, I just had a surgery and they took off part of my leg. What do you mean? Well, how are things going? I just didn't know what to say. You know, I was totally uncomfortable and out of my element. And, um, and she looks at me and she says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm living, I'm alive, you know, and I said, well, that's good. And, uh, <laughs> And so, you know, she uh, probably sensed my nervousness and not really knowing what to say. And she was one of these ladies who, you know, she's going through all the hardship there laying in the bed. And I'm coming in here wanting to pray for her, but being totally out of my element and uncomfortable, she wants to make it comfortable for me. It's just amazing how when you deal with authentic Christian people, that they never look at themselves. They're always looking at someone else. They're always trying to bless someone else. That's who this lady was. And so there she is in the bed, and, uh, and I wanted to give her sympathy. So I began this whole route of trying to say, I'm so sorry about your leg, and I feel really bad about what happened and all of this, where she cuts me off. And, uh, and I said, um, kind of to myself, did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? She got this look on her face like there was even offense taken. And she says, I'm going to have to just stop you right there. She said, I can't take your sympathy. I won't, I won't receive it. I won't accept it. I can't. She said, I'm blessed beyond measure to lay in this bed. I was confused. I mean, I didn't understand where she was coming from and kind of just, you know, what, what are you talking about? You just had this surgery where you're never going to walk again. Your mobility is greatly diminished. Your wholeness physically, you'll never get that back. I didn't understand where she was coming from. She says, I'm blessed. Beyond measure, I'm blessed. I had an opportunity to witness to the doctor who did the surgery. I have the opportunity every single time these nurses come in and they change shifts. I have a, a, a nurse that I'm able to communicate the gospel with. Laying in this bed, I have ministry opportunities that I never would have had otherwise. I can't take your sympathy. I won't. I'm blessed. And I'm like, where is Pastor Bain? Get off your call already, dude. I'm dying here. <laughs> she had perspective. That's what I'm going to talk to you about as we get into the Sermon on the Mount. It's something called perspective. There is such a thing that we misunderstand or that we misinterpret in our lives when we go through hardship. Now, when you read the Sermon on the Mount at face value, 
you begin to ask the question if Jesus really understands what a blessing actually is. Why do I say that? Here's why. Because when we equate blessings, we usually equate them with things that are beneficial or things that are uh, happy things and, and fluffy things, and they promote some kind of a benefit that we're going to receive or accept. When someone says to you, have a blessed day, how many of you guys hear that on a daily basis from people you deal with, people that you encounter, and they say, have a blessed day? Probably what they're trying to communicate is that everything's going to go well for you today, that everything is going to go the path of least resistance for you in this, in this day, that everything that you're going to experience in this day as they tell you to have a blessed day, that everything's going to work in your favor. That's what they mean, right? I mean, isn't that what you take it to mean when they tell you that? Even this morning, I went into Starbucks before we came to church, and there was this young lady named Ashley behind the counter. Typically, she has kind of an upbeat personality. In fact, she's one of the ones who bellows out as I walk into the Starbucks, good morning, Steve. This morning, I walked in, and there wasn't a good morning, Steve. And so she's behind the counter, and, and I said, hey, are you all right? And she looked half asleep. She looked maybe even potentially dejected, like maybe she was having a hard time. And I said, is everything Okay. And she says, I guess. And I said, what's happening? What's the matter? Is there anything I could pray for? And she said, well, I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes if things in my life are going the right direction. And I said, well, if you put God first in your life, if you would make Jesus Lord of your, of your heart, of your life, you can know beyond the shadow of a doubt that things are going the right direction. Even when things aren't working out for you. Perspective. Do I see things through a prism, through a lens, that is one, the way God sees it, my life? The things that I'm dealing with, the things that I'm going through, am I seeing through his perspective a blessing or just something to get through? Perspective has everything to do with this important word that we're going to talk about today is choice. This morning, every single one of us, doesn't matter how old or how young you are, doesn't matter how much experience you have in church or lack thereof, it doesn't matter that you're a male or a female, every single person here this morning has a choice. And now that might seem very simple to us, but I think that there has to be an intentionality in every single waking moment of our lives that you are aware that you have a choice. You are a moral free agent this morning, that you are not destined to do something or to be something unless you choose it. What I mean by this is the idea of blessings as Jesus is going to communicate over the next few weeks that you have the opportunity to look at whatever it is that you're dealing with with a choice. A blessing can come in many different forms. And when I went up to that hospital room that day, I really was not seeing things through the right perspective. 
This lady laying up in a bed was seeing things through a perspective that was one that, that, that was eternal. An eternal perspective. Now, if you were going to say this morning, do I have an eternal perspective about my life? Are you seeing your life this morning through God's perspective? Let's go to the passage. It starts off by saying in verse 1 that he saw the crowds. Now, you're going to see this, this phrase uh, in different parts of the scripture. Uh, one that comes to my mind is when Jesus has compassion on the masses. The Bible says that he saw the crowds, that he was able to just not only see them with his eyes, but he was able to empathize with who they were. That he was able to see that these people were sheep without a shepherd, that they had nobody to lead them. And so you'll see a lot of this kind of uh, language in the scripture pertaining to how Jesus saw the masses. They saw the people. He had compassion on them, and he was able to empathize with them. Now, this is one of the miracles that we know about uh, God's plan for mankind is that Jesus got into our flesh, that he was able to don human flesh with all of the challenges and all of the struggles so that when he's able to see the crowds, that he was able to empathize. He's able to get on their level and to realize their struggles the same way that we struggle he was able to communicate uh, on, a, on, a, on a level where he could relate. How many are grateful for a Savior who can relate? So he saw the crowds, the Bible says. Now, I like this part. Jesus went up the mountainside and he sat down. Something disarming about sitting down with the people. He's going to climb up to a place where he can communicate with the people, where everybody can listen. And the idea of sitting down with the people is more than just kind of a posture, but it's more of a coming down to their level, being able to say, I'm going to communicate in such a way that will be disarming. Well, you'll be able to not even just know that I'm with you, but that I'm going to communicate in a way that you can digest this. Different times that I've been ministering, different places where I've gone, one of the things that, that uh, has been uh, a a compliment of compliments uh, is this way to communicate in a way that I can understand it. They say, Pastor, you, you talk in a way where I can understand it. You made the scripture come alive for me. It was something that instead of it just being a bunch of, you know, just words, things that were just, you, you brought them down to a level where I could digest it. And I take that as the highest compliment that I could ever get as a pastor because I want to be able to relate. Well, one thing about Jesus that he was able to sit down with them and now I'm going to level with you. I'm going to talk to you in a way that you can understand, the way you can digest this, that you can take this and not just sit there and just kind of just be talked at, but this is something that I can actually grab a hold of and hide in my heart. The Bible says that Jesus went up to this place and he sat down with the people. He's going to get on their level. And I'm grateful for a Savior who can do that. Uh, this is important not even just from the standpoint of, you know, what we do in church. But let me ask you this question. And it's, kind of, um, it's kind of a side thing, but it's, it's important for us to kind of ask to do an inventory. With your Christianity, do you do it in such a way that the people who maybe don't know the Lord that makes Jesus accessible... Are we so churchy that we don't know how to communicate with people? 
Do we have our church jargon that we use that makes Jesus almost this kind of unattainable pie-in-the-sky ideal? Just a question. Jesus, his, in his approach, I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to make all of these deep truths accessible. You talk about choice. Once I can understand something, now I really have choice. Let me say that I believe about a lot of folks in, in the church experience that if things are not communicated in such a way that they can grab a hold of it and digest it for themselves, we're not giving them the choice that's going to be needed for them to either choose Jesus or to reject him. As far as we're concerned, let's make Jesus accessible the way that we talk. Let's ask God to help us to make all these deep truths that we have received and accepted. Let's, let's find a way to be used of God in a lost and hurting world. You have those people all around you. Jesus didn't come and say, well, hey, listen, I'm going to I'm going to communicate in a way and hopefully you'll understand it. He's going to bring it down to their level. I think the church could learn a lot just by simple things like Jesus sitting down with the people. That's what he did. And now he's going to get in, into the, the teaching. It says, and he began to teach them. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. I think as we're going to be talking about blessings, we probably have to define what a blessing is, right? What is a blessing? Anybody want to venture a guess? What do you think? A blessing. What's a blessing? All the Bible scholars. A good and perfect gift from above. We prayed that a little while ago, didn't we? A good and perfect gift from above. That's good. Yeah, it comes from God. It's good and it's perfect. Perfect. I love it. Great. What else? A blessing. Favor. Outstanding. Now, a favor, uh, not a favor, but favor from the Lord, a blessing. Um, how many of you want favor in your life? God's favor. Anybody? Yeah? I want his favor in my life, a blessing. You know, have a blessed day, something good. You, you, you embrace uh, the, th the idea of a blessing when somebody tells you to have a blessed day or if you sneeze and somebody says, God bless you. If somebody's going to say a blessing for the meal, how many of you think of good things, positive things? Anybody? You bet. So he's saying that, that the blessing that's coming from God, it's going to be good. It's going to be good for you. And this morning, as we're getting ready to kick off this series, understand about blessing that it's something that God sees that is good for you. It is something that's going to be favorable for you. It's going to be good and it's going to be perfect. The question for us will be, how do we perceive these blessings? It'll be contingent on that choice. So God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. What kind of poor are we talking about? What kind of poor is Jesus talking about here? God blesses those who are poor. Well, in the scripture, it says those who are poor in spirit are those who realize that they have a, a need spiritually. It was, it was crazy. Yesterday, we were in Waco. We uh, 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 went to a track meet at Panther Stadium. Uh, my brother-in-law coaches track, and so he's, 
his uh, track team was running over here at the state uh, championships. And afterward, we were going to go uh, to this used bookstore down here on uh, uh, Valley Mills. You go in Valley Mills and there's this used bookstore. We go in there. And as we're coming out, there's this individual who's kind of begging for money, begging for whatever, right? And so uh, I was already in the vehicle with the boys, and Jennifer was having a discussion with this, with this lady. And uh, she was kind of run down and kind of, you know, um, it was humid yesterday, so she's perspiring a lot, and, you know, you just tell she's having a hard time. So Jennifer gets in the truck and says, hey, we're going to go buy this, uh, this lady uh, a burger and fries over here at Five Guys. So, okay, great, you know, teach our boys what that looks like to have compassion on people. So she meets us over there, and uh, after Jennifer bought her the food, and uh, she came out and got in the truck. And I said, how'd that go? And uh, Ezra said, she wasn't very grateful, Dad. And I said, well, what, why did you say that, you know? She said, well, she didn't say thank you at all. And she kind of just was demanding. She kind of had a demanding kind of an, an attitude, you know. And, and uh, I know that I was going to preach on, on this today. And, and the question is, you know, somebody who's poor is not just somebody who is poor monetarily, but somebody who is poor in spirit. That, you know, you realize that, you know, I have a need and, and that there's humility that's connected to that neediness. And what I see in the church, and this has been everywhere we've been, is that there isn't a recognition that people are poor in spirit, that there is a need for God in our culture, even among the Christians, that sometimes we kind of act like we're, we're owed something, that there is an entitlement mentality, that kind of almost God owes me this morning, that when I come in, I'm expecting blessings, and I'm expecting to get whatever it is that I think that I'm entitled to. And I don't know what happened in the culture. I don't know if it has to do with what we experience as people in America that really we are affluent. Even the poorest of us, we have so much. But we kind of almost act like we're owed something. This lady, I mean, the poorest of the poor, somebody who's begging. The poor lady didn't have any teeth and probably there was some, some issues there with drugs or whatever. We've done street ministry and we know, we know what that looks like. Jennifer began to try to tell her about Jesus, and she goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, right. I'm, I'm already a Christian. I remember when I came to Jesus, standing outside of that bar that night, when these guys were preaching the gospel, and they were talking about the wide gate that led to destruction. I had never heard the text. I didn't even know what, who said it. All I hear is that these guys are talking about this wide gate and this narrow gate. And the only thing that I had in my mind was that I'm going straight to hell. I knew it. I knew that if I died tonight, if I was taken out by a drunk driver, if somebody came in the, in, into the bar and started shooting it up, Oh, whatever happened and I died and I stopped breathing that night, I knew exactly where I would go. I knew it. And when he presented the opportunity for salvation, I remember thinking, I, I need God in my life. I, I, I need him. I want God. 
together with this opinion of myself that I was nothing, that I was dirty, that I was ugly, that everything about me was evil. I knew that I needed a savior and there was an embrace for a new life. Can that actually go away? I mean, is it possible that we'd be in church for so long that we've forgotten what it was like to be rescued from our sin? That we, we actually have this awe of God? We were singing a little while ago in the, in the song. I don't know if this really, to me, it just pierced my heart. When we read this lyric about what, what it was to learn fear of the Lord, it was in Amazing Grace. Remember we were re- reading in the lyric? It was grace that taught my heart to fear. There was grace administered, and when grace was given, that there was this realization that I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. That it was something that I could never deserve or earn. But it was God's kindness. And the idea of blessing is not something that we're owed. That the blessings that God gives is out of his kindness. The blessings that he will offer to human beings is not because of who human beings are, but because of who he is. I think that there's something connected with this being poor in spirit. I've heard it coined this way, that it's almost this acknowledgement of a spiritual bankruptcy. That I really just don't have anything at all to offer. The Bible says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In the Gospels, there was this theme that we can examine the idea of being poor in spirit, that when we see Jesus wanting to do something for people, that we realize that over and above whoever they might have been, that he was willing to actually do something for them when they offered themselves humbly before him, when they would come and present themselves as someone who had need, that Jesus wanted to bless them whether it was healing or whether it was some kind of a, 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 a need that they had to maybe to eat, that Jesus had compassion on people who presented themselves in such a way that they understood their neediness. And I have to ask me the question. I hope that you're doing the same kind of introspection. Lord, is there anything in my life where I kind of just walk around acting like I'm entitled to something, like I'm owed something, like I deserve something? I have to do that that, that inventory every day. Because, man, I don't want to miss out on what God might have for me. You think about this. If we're talking about these blessings that, that Jesus talks about here that almost seem like they're not blessings at all, they don't, they don't seem like blessings. Not to our flesh, they don't. I mean, what is it like to actually have need spiritually? I mean, what's it like to have need in your relationships? 
Let me give you an example. This week, we had where uh, I was meeting with somebody, and they, they were having a hard time in their marriage and, and uh, really struggling and going through stuff. And, and, it, and this person looks at me and they say, Pastor, I deserve to be happy in my marriage. And that struck a chord inside of me. I, I just was like, the, the word deserve almost, ugh. When we talk about deserve, you know, what, what is it that I deserve? You know, is I deserve to be happy. Now, how many of us have ever heard somebody say that? I deserve to be happy, pastor, in my marriage. And I had to stop. I said, listen, man. When we talk about deserve as a Christian, we deserve hell. That's what we deserve. I deserve hell, and I deserve it yesterday. And so... If you're not happy in your marriage, consider it joy. And there's something even bigger than happiness in your marriage. The fact that you have the opportunity to grow through the hardship that you're experiencing in your marriage. That God could use all of that hardship to help you to see things about yourself that you need to change by his grace. That there could be the opportunity for you to grow even if they never want to grow even if they never want to embrace God, that you'll have the opportunity through all of the things that they're putting you through that maybe we might even entertain the idea that God might be, be behind you not being happy. This person, their paradigm about everything that they were going through was flipped. Is it possible that we can choose to be happy? I can choose that. Your, your spouse is mistreating you? I'm entitled to feel like I'm a victim. I'm entitled to feel like I'm going through, I'm entitled, or, 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 or I'm going to choose to be happy even over and above that. I'm going to choose to be. Is it hard? Yeah. Am I being realistic? Absolutely. But I'm going to choose that. I'm going to decide today that I don't have to be like this. So with Ashley, there, there I am, and, and we're in the Starbucks this morning. And, and you know, my MO, I want to deal with what she's going through back there. And I said, well, hey, check, check it out, Ashley. You're alive this morning. She goes, well, that's true. Master of the obvious. And, but her, her countenance kind of just, you know, trying to, I want to, I want to break in. I want to try to get in there. And, uh, so I said, the sun's out. A little smile. And I said, guess what? You know what? You get to serve me today. (laughs) And then she started laughing. And I said, that's the Ashley I know. I said, hey, listen, make God first in your life. Put Jesus in your heart. And I'm telling you, your life, it, it, it will be completely different than anything you've ever thought about. And she goes, I'm, gra- I'm glad you came in here today. She says, let me get your coffee. She gets my coffee, and then somebody else walks in who's a regular like I am, and Ashley's like, good morning, da-da-da. Little perspective change. 
Are you going through it? Hey, listen, is there somebody in here this morning going through something? Don't worry about it. If you're not going through something right now, you will. It's, li- it's called life. It's called life. And no sooner that you can wrap your brain around that one and understand that you're going to go through stuff, that things can begin to change for you when you can actually decide that I'm going to choose in this day to be happy. I'm going to choose that, regardless of my circumstances and situation. I'm going to back it up just a tad. Here's how. Here's why. Is it possible that our circumstances and situations, no matter if we call ourselves believers, no matter that we call ourselves Christians and that we go to church and we know what the Bible says, is it possible that your God this morning are your circumstances and your situations? Is it possible? What do I mean? If your circumstances are really good, you say, hallelujah, praise Jesus. But then your circumstances and your situations aren't going favorably. And you can hardly even sing any lyrics when the songs start. And then your circumstances and situations get better. Your wife's treating you better. Your husband, you got the raise. Your kids are acting fine. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Your husband and your wife, whatever, mistreating you. Your kids are being disobedient. You didn't get the promotion. Maybe you got fired. Can anybody relate? This up and down. And here's why. Because everything that you're guided and directed by is how your circumstances are going. God's not your focus. Your circumstances are. This lady laying in a bed had her leg cut off. How does she do that? What planet is she from? How do you get your leg amputated and you, you, you conf- you're going to rebuke the, the youth pastor for giving you sympathy and she's going to say, I'm blessed. Where are you from? What are you drinking? Her leg wasn't her focus. That she's laying in a bed. I could be laying in a bed with my leg cut off. Would I, would, I, would I actually embrace this as an opportunity to shine Jesus? My focus, ah, I'm never going to walk again. I'm never going to play basketball with my kids anymore. I'm going to have to be in a wheelchair or maybe I'll have to have a prosthetic. Or, I mean, I, the thoughts that run in your mind. Some of us would even be like, God, how do you let this happen to me? I prayed for a healing and now I have this. Remember Job? Job lost his kids, all of them, in one day. All of them. One fell swoop. They're all dead. All of his wealth, gone. His health, gone. You think about, I mean, let, let that soak in just a little bit. 
try to relate on some level what that would be like. That you get some kind of report that every single thing in your life is gone. And think about what your attitude might even look like if that happened. His wife walks up to him and says, are you going to continue to hold on to whatever kind of integrity that you have? Why don't you just curse God and die? Because her mentality was that, you know what? The things that God blessed me with are the most important thing to me instead of the one who blessed me with them. And what's happened is that the blessings are the things that we focus on. The blessings are the ones that we worship. God gives us those blessings by his grace. But instead of actually blessing him because of the blessings or because he's blessed us with those things, they become the object of the worship and we take God and we kind of almost throw him out here. So if in the event God wants to take back blessings or he wants to actually do something else with those blessings, we have the audacity to get mad at God. Isn't that crazy what human beings do? Isn't that nuts? From his perspective, I can't even imagine. So here's what Job says back to his wife. You speak like a foolish woman. Am I only going to receive and accept that which is good from God? That's profound. The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's so good. I'd like that perspective. Think about this. If you're an individual that's doing this, that's, that's where you are. You think about how precarious your life is. You think about how unpredictable and how... I want you to think about with me this morning... If I could have a consistent, a, something I could depend on, something I could count on, that regardless of what life throws at me, that I'm able to actually move forward in an upward trajectory, not guided by the circumstances, that even over and above the circumstances, I'm able to continue to move forward, move up. Most believers would say, I want that. I would like to live like that. I don't want to be like the waves going back and forth and just all over the place, double-minded and everything. I want to be consistent. There's, every believer in here would say, I want to be consistent like that. I want to have a Christian walk like that. Here's where Jesus then talks about blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Because those kinds of people, when you're poor in spirit... You understand about your life that you're nothing, that God gives you everything, not because of who you are or how you're going to perform, but because of who he is. And a person who lives like that, that's how Job's able to say, if God gives me a lot or he doesn't give me anything and takes it all away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Guess what? Because I'm nothing. The very fact that I have breath in my lungs is something. The very fact that God loves me is everything. I'm blessed. I, I, there's not anybody that can tell me how to have a blessed day. I'm already blessed. If God didn't do anything else at all for me, I'm blessed. 
If God wanted to allow cancer in my life, I'm blessed. If God wanted to take my kids from me, I'm blessed. It doesn't matter. Here's why. Because I'm not going to hell, which is what I deserved. I have Jesus. And I, there's not any way at all that any of us could have ever earned him. You want to talk about perspective? At every single point that you're going through something, you have the choice to either get into your pity party, to get angry, to be despondent, to be depressed, to be whatever it is, that the, all these things that we do as human beings, we have that choice. Or we can decide, you know what, I'm going to walk on the water with Jesus. If that's really you, bid me to come to you. I don't care about the storm. I, don't, I could care less about these waves. I could care less about the physics. I could care less about all this stuff. If it's really you, you tell me to come, and I'm going to walk to you. We keep our eyes on him. People are poor in spirit. Let me just say this. People who are poor in spirit understand their place. They, they just know who they are from God's perspective. I love kids with uh, their perspectives about things. Ezra ended up making about, did, did he get over 300 for his birthday? I remember when I used to get like a dollar. I used to get like a silver dollar and I thought I was really doing something. I was going places. These kids, man, golly. We were talking to somebody at Round Rock and they were talking about their grandkid ended up like over 600 bucks for their birthday. I'm like, who are your friends? Where are your relatives? Let me go hang out with you guys, man. Invite them to the party. Ezra says things like, Dad, I'll buy our family dinner tonight. And then, and Dad, if you want, I'll just, I'll just buy, buy you some stuff. And then he starts naming all these things. I'm thinking, $300 goes a long way, but it doesn't go quite that long. I don't think the kids understand how much dinner actually costs when you want to eat at the places you want to eat. They just don't understand that. They don't understand what stuff costs. Teenagers, you think you have it bad with your, with your, with your, with your parents? You have it outstanding. I can't believe mom and dad are... Listen, you get to live in your parents' house and you get to watch TV and you get to have a place to sleep and you get food and it's all rent-free. You ought to praise the Lord for that. Because I'm going to tell you, when you get out on your own, you realize I don't even have a couch. I don't even have a bed. Oh, a TV. There's no TV to watch. You have a smartphone, but somebody got to pay for that service. And you find out very quickly what stuff costs. I think the people who have some kind of a mentality that they're deprived or they're, they don't have a, a concept of what's, what Jesus paid on the cross, that they have audacity to actually complain, these are people who will never understand what blessing actually is. Poor in spirit. How do you, how do you view yourself this morning? Do you have a God perspective about who you are? Blessed are people who know who they are from a God perspective. That's the most blessed person there is on the planet. I've encountered these people. These are the kind of people that, man, you know what? God is good. 
And he's good all the time. Good and bad. God is good. And they're able to actually understand about their lives that, man, you know what? Yeah, I got stuff going on, but you, God's, God's good to me. I have nothing to complain about. These are the kind of people that don't walk, walk around acting like they're owed something. These are people that are happy to do whatever, whenever. Just ask. Those, they're the happiest people on the planet. They just really understand the value of things. They understand the value of what Jesus did. And the very fact that they're able to draw benefit from it, man, that's, what a, what a huge blessing to my life. Let me ask you this question this morning. There might be some people in here that, that live like this. That you're just constantly unhappy about everything. You're unhappy about everyone. Life is always just this series of people not meeting your expectations. That's even bled over. Listen to what I'm going to say. This bleeds over into the church. You're one of those kinds of people outside the church. I'm going to guarantee that you're one of those people inside the church. People never meet your expectations because you just don't understand the value of things. You don't understand what, what God sees when he, see, when he looks at you. But ask the question this morning, listen, do I see myself the way God sees me? Those expectations that we talked about a few weeks ago, I'm going to tell you people who never or I'll say it even a different way. I'd say it this way, and I think it'll be appropriate. The people who are always unhappy about everything, about church, about marriage, about work, about what, they're always griping, and they're always complaining. These are people who really just do not have the perspective of someone who is poor in spirit. That's why they are not blessed. That's why they don't even perceive blessing. They can't because they don't understand reality. I'm going to close with this. In our culture today, there is this, I don't know if you want to call it an epidemic, but where these people who they went to college. They got out on their own. They left their home. That upon graduation with their degree, they actually had to go back home and live with their parents. And I was talking to a young man the other day about this. He was in that situation. And he said, I have a different perspective about my parents than I did before I left. And he said, before I would gripe and complain about curfews, about how strict they were, I would complain about what they were doing to kind of hamper my, my life. And I remember I'd give them a hard time about it and make their life difficult. And there was a lot of fighting, a lot of friction. And right around the time that I knew I was going to go off to college, I remember I'd tell, this, tell them this several times almost have kind of put them under some kind of guilt. 
don't worry about it, mom, dad. I'll be leaving very soon, so you won't have to worry about it anymore. You could see the hurt on their parents every time that they would say this. And this guy talks about that he went off and, and did his thing. And at the completion of his degree, he couldn't find a job. His degree, there weren't any kind of opportunities for him. You can't just live on good looks. <laughs> he had to come kind of almost with his tail between his legs and, and ask his parents, hey, is there any way that I can come back home? The dad said, well, listen, it's got to be our way. These are our rules. This is what we have in place, and we expect that if you're going to come back here, that it comes with those conditions. And if you're not willing to come under those conditions, then it's probably not a good idea. We love you. You're our son. We'll always love you. There's no doubt about that. But before you left for college, it was very difficult in this house with the way that you were acting. And we're just not going to do that again. This guy told me that whenever he was trying to very quickly process through what the dad was saying as he laid out the conditions, that there was a kind of a different attitude toward those preconditions that he had before. Because he had a different perspective about life. There was a different understanding that he had realizing that he could be homeless. That the alternative would have been that he would have had no place to lay his head. That he wouldn't know where his next meal was coming from, not being able to find a job. That if, even if he did find a job, would it be the kind of job that he could do to support himself? And now he began to look at himself not from some kind of a inflated unrealistic perspective but now he was able to see himself from a needy place and as he was laying out all of the preconditions in his mind that's easy that's no problem you have a curfew you have these kinds of rules these kinds of conditions you have this kind of thing that you expect me to to meet out well then I will it's no problem dad you won't have any problems for me and then the next thing out of his mouth, I'm sorry for all the stuff I put you guys through. I'm sorry for being such an ingrate. I'm sorry for being a jerk. I'm sorry for not even understanding really what was going on there, for making it difficult on you and mom and dad. Would you forgive me? So he had to move back in. But there was a perspective that had to change. There are times where, as people, we have to look in the mirror and we have to be honest about who we are. Someone who's poor in spirit can be honest when they look in the mirror, that they can be open to what God might show them. The saddest thing that happens in places like this one, like a church, like a body of people who call themselves believers are people who do not allow for God to put a reflection in front of them that's true. It's in times like these ones where we're able to say, God, 
I want to be able to see myself the way you see me. That I'm open. That whatever it is that you need to communicate, that I'll embrace it. And I'll come under. That's why those people are blessed. Because it opens the door for relationship with God. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, to the broken, to those who are crushed in spirit. And I don't believe at all, not for one second, that it's a one-time good deal to be broken in spirit. I just don't believe that. I think that that's the beginning of that lifestyle. But when I gave my life to Jesus and there was humility, it didn't stop there. That I was not even just only humble to the Lord, but that I'm humble with my brothers and my sisters, that there's humility. And I don't know who people are this this morning. You know, I I don't know where you are, but, but God might be speaking to you about something. And it would be beneficial for you. It would be a blessing to you that God is offering an opportunity for brokenness, an opportunity for humility. That's a blessing this morning. I hope that you can recognize it as God has been able to lay it bare. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning as the worship team plays that if there's something that the Lord has spoken to you about that you need to come pray and you need to ask God to help you with that you would feel free to do that this morning. If you're not able to to kneel or to get that low you absolutely can, can stand you can sit If you feel like you want to come and pray for someone who's up here, feel free to do that as well.
depend upon. This morning, God, I don't know how you're moving, working in every individual, but here's what I know. Is that for people who open up their hearts and their attitudes to make the choice and the decision for you to come in and to do whatever it is that you see fit, that those are the people who are blessed. Those are the people who will reap multitudes of blessings because what they're really embracing is not the stuff, not the things, not the circumstances and the situations. The blessing has been and always will be the blessing of knowing you. The blessing of grabbing you by the hand and walking with you in the cool of the evening. That will always be the blessing. May we always be humble. May we always experience brokenness. That there would be the opportunity for us as your children to understand about blessings is that whether you give them or you take them away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Help us to be aware of that day by day, no matter what happens. As we get ready to go in different directions, Lord God, we pray for favor, your favor in our lives, to know that our God is happy with our lives, that whenever he thinks about us as an individual, that he smiles from ear to ear. God, that's what we pray for, that as we have Monday and Tuesday all the way through the rest of the week, that the most important thing to us is that we're living a lifestyle that loves you. For we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Give him praise this morning. Amen. As a point of information, I want to let you know that uh, many of our leaders, as well as, of course, myself, will be in Houston for District Assembly Monday, Tuesday, and most of Wednesday. And uh, so if you need anything or there's some kind of emergency, uh, our phones are connected to the office. So if you call the office, then we'll get those. But we will be down in Houston. Okay? God bless every single one of you. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you the next time.